Paige, I'm Jesse, And I'm Michelle. And this week, we are going to talk about burnout, which feels especially applicable in this time, as 2020 is really a year that is, in fact, 50 million years long. Yes, absolutely. I saw, like, some memes the other day about us being six months into 2020, and that really just blew my mind. Can you believe that? The list of things of like everything that has happened in 2020 truly blow my mind because if somebody wrote a book and they were like, listen, we're going to have a pandemic, a massive protests, murder hornets, and an economic disaster. Like I'd be like, that's too much. You've got to cut it down. The, on- the audience will not believe you. They will not understand how much is going on. They-, they cannot handle it. But that is our reality. The plot is too thick. The plot is too thick thick but even just like what's happened over the course of quarantine you know we all started off being like we're gonna really invest in our hobbies we're gonna get to know ourselves better and we ended at we're going to learn how to disassemble society and rebuild it better that's my favorite hobby that's my favorite hobby (laughs) that's my favorite craft my favorite craft (laughs) is creating is creating a new society yeah dismantling the government is my passion (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. Yeah, no. How to pre-crochet better government. <laughs> yeah, no. I Honestly, I kind of feel like I must have been too um, burnt out with quarantine to even really... I feel like I blacked out when the whole murder hornets thing was a thing. And then I just remember people talking about murder hornets. <laughs> I don't hornets, think you could handle and it. And I was like, you know what? If I die because of a hornet, it just... It do be like that sometimes. <laughs> it do be like that sometimes. I was like, you know, whatever. <laughs> Uh, but I also kind of feel like, you know, the, the memes of like when a president goes into first term and like, I'm thinking of Obama specifically where he's just like a cute little man. He's all sprightly and he's looking all good. Yeah. And then (laughs) you show him as he's coming out of presidency and he looks like (laughs) he's all gray and so rough. Like that's me. The exponential aging that happens when you are just in those high stress situations. Like, yeah, it does. It. Honestly, I feel aged. Yeah. Or like the meme of of it's like when your kids ask you about 2020 and it's like the little dog with all of the like helicopters and war behind them. Like, oh gosh, yes. I actually have like an entire that's, that's how I'm feeling. I have an entire hard drive filled with both memes and like actual news reports. And I don't even know if I'm going to have kids. I just wanted to like solidify the things that were happening during this <laughs> She's time. She's got those memes on file. On my own terms. Anyway, Oh, yeah. Some of them are straight up memes because I thought it was so funny. And it's like when history books have political cartoons, you don't really get it. And I know that's what it's going to be like when people look at memes from this time. But whatever. I'll remember. Yeah, I feel after this year alone, I should be in my 80s already. (laughs) I have lived lifetimes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there were definitely stages of all of this. And we've we've definitely moved out of out of like the crafty fun everyone watching netflix stage okay did you ever watch tiger king i most certainly did not well that's unfortunate if you ever want to watch something for absolute shock value that's it and there was a meme that was like i can't believe joe exotic and tiger king was like the most tame part of 2020 and that alone sent me but beyond (laughs) that (laughs) i finished tiger king last night i've never gotten into it. i finished it last night and it was 
I really did feel like I started that show like a couple years ago and just forgot to finish it because it does not feel like I started watching that. Should I watch it? A couple it? months ago. It doesn't even feel this year. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I've never watched a show that's like literally something happens and you're so shocked and then somebody else comes along and they're even crazier and then they're just everybody who else who comes on is even more exponentially crazy and it's it's shocking i pieced out from reality entirely i i went straight for anime <laughs> i i've been watching jojo's bizarre adventure where like everyone's names are based off of 80s band characters and just uh it's like the most anime anime i've ever watched because everything feels like an anime trope and it's kind of supposed to be it's very funny anyway Let's get into the show, though. Let's talk a little bit about burnout. It's a perfect time to be talking about burnout because not even just within the idea of quarantine or 2020, we need to understand how to deal with burnout to get through not only this time, but basically the rest of our lives. But before we get into the episode, we have a couple announcements for you. Yes, we have a watch party coming up this Friday. And as you probably already know, come July, we are going to be doing our watch parties instead of every Friday on the second Friday of every month, just so you don't have to be stressed about catching up with your opera every week. But we have one coming up this Friday. You get to vote on which opera we're going to watch on Wednesday, aka tomorrow. And we watch them at 5 Pacific, 8 Eastern. It's all free, stream through cast. So come join us. There's a little chat box. We <laughs> we have a good time chatting. We goof around yeah, the about chat. the various things that happen in whatever opera that we're watching. And we fangirl together. It's a great time. Come and join us on Friday. And then next week's episode, you guys really love our write-in episodes. And we have so much fun making them. So we're coming back with another write-in episode next week. And... <laughs> Perhaps the most universal theme, which is things I never want to hear from non-musicians ever again. So if you've ever been a hit with the, oh, you should go on American Idol or Phantom of the Opera is my favorite opera by a non-musician, this episode is for you. We want to hear your stories, so DM them to us by Friday and it's going to be a great old time. So looking forward to next week's episode. I think this may be like my favorite topic we've done for a write-in because I feel like this one is our most universal. Honestly, I feel like with this topic, we didn't even necessarily need to do a write-in. I have so many personal anecdotes. (laughs) Especially from when I worked as a bartender and so I would talk about like the other thing I do with people and you would get some really interesting responses. Yeah, but that being said, we do want to hear from you because- Oh, yeah. It's funny how there are a couple of catchphrases that we that we encounter that really are universal. So we wanna we wanna commiserate all together. <laughs> I mean, like as a little preview, I'll say this one here and I may repeat it on the next episode. But I I was once at like a, a get together and I was speaking with a he was actually a philosophy professor at like a local university. I was just introducing myself and I was like, yeah, at the time I was in undergrad. So I was like, I'm studying classical music. I sing opera. And he just turns to me. He goes, I hate opera and I hate classical music. And I was like, oh, and he then proceeded to tell me that like the only thing he had ever listened to was a Wagner CD, like a CD of Wagner's operas. And I just (laughs) sat back and I was like, that's that's not I mean, it's I what a choice. (laughs) <laughs> but once again, like, there's not really another field where people will just outright look at you and go, I hate what you do. <laughs> that's so true. That's Even that's if it's rough. true. Like, even if you don't really care for accounting, I doubt you've ever told an accountant, oh, I hate math. 
I hate finance. <laughs> anyway, I'm excited for next week's episode to hear your stories. So please write in to us. But now into the episode. So we're going to be talking about burnout. And the way we're going to approach this is we're going to look at what does burnout look like for us and in general. Why are musicians themselves so prone to burnout? What's the difference between burnout and stress? And how do we deal with burnout and prevent it? What does burnout look like for you personally, Jesse? So I was laughing when we were pulling up lists of some of the more general aspects of burnout, just to refresh ourselves. And I was laughing because I was like, really, you could just retitle most of these articles of, like, what are the side effects of being a working musician? Oh, so true. But for me, some of the ones that I found myself vibing with was definitely, like, the exhaustion factor, the constant fatigue, the need to, like, distract yourself, the procrastination. When I get really burnt out, I can't get away from my phone or computer. Like, I'm constantly trying to find something to keep my brain from just kind of falling apart. I am trying to inject as much serotonin into my brain as possible through whatever means, whether that's like junk food or junk TV or whatever. Mm -hmm. The complete loss of motivation, cynicism, like that just that absolute piercing negativity. Even if good things are happening, I can't really enjoy them because I'm just, I'm, I'm so uninvested at that point. But one of some of the more interesting ones that I agree with was like, I really, it will really mess up with my sleep and therefore it'll really mess me up physically. So a lot of times during periods of burnout, I'll get colds or upper respiratory infections. It's pretty common for me. It happens frequently enough. Like I can recognize that cycle. But what about for you? Yeah, I would say burnout manifests in three ways for me. One is that I am super, super scatterbrained and very forgetful. So I'll be working on something and then get distracted by something really random and then truly not be able to remember what it was that I wanted to work on like two minutes prior. And that is always super scary to me. But when I'm under so much stress and I'm just burnt out, that always seems to happen. And I also know that when I am facing burnout, I tend to get pretty irritable, which is very, very out of character for me. So Michelle feels two emotions. (laughs) They are joy and disgust. (laughs) Very true. So when the pendulum swings and it's only disgust, I know something's wrong. That's very out of character for me to constantly sit in being irritable. So that's actually, it's good for me to know because when I'm feeling really irritable, it usually is because I'm just overly stressed and I have to self-check. And then usually the third is that I don't get good sleep. Even if I get to bed at a reasonable time and get seven to eight hours of sleep, I'll wake up feeling as if I didn't sleep at all. So it's very mental and physical for me in in different ways. But yeah, that's usually the way that I identify when I'm feeling very burnt out. (laughs) That's one of those, the sleep thing is, I mean, not just in terms of burnout, but like not getting enough sleep in general, because I don't think there are many musicians who can say they haven't like taken a nap in a music building at least once. And, like, I have pictures of Michelle taking naps because she used to do it right before choir all the time. So I would Snapchat (laughs) her to herself after I drew on it. Man, one day Uh, I'm going to publish our old snaps because they're art. Art of the highest caliber. But but also I have a picture of me in grad school where I fell asleep while I was practicing. Like, I I rested my head on the piano. And when I got up, I had the piano keys imprinted on my forehead. Amazing. It's a good look. Truly like a peak musician moment for me. Oh my gosh. Who needs tattoos when you have the imprints of a piano on your forehead? Yeah. When I I said I wanted the music to be imprinted on my mind, I meant less literally. But 
<laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think some of the ones we, we didn't mention personally probably were withdrawing from responsibilities. I definitely like cut down on my outside activities, but I don't necessarily say no to responsibilities. Isolating yourself, using food, drugs, or alcohol to cope. Yeah, I think those are the main ones we didn't mention in our personal ones. But burnout's going to look a little different for everybody. You'll, you'll recognize it in yourself as you go because pretty much everyone's going to run into burnout. But I think that's, uh, there's an important distinction that even I didn't know until I started, like I said, doing the research for this episode, which was what is the difference between stress, which is a part of life, and burnout, where we're in like kind of, kind of a danger zone almost. Because <laughs> stress will happen. I mean, it's hard to live a life with no stress. And as a musician, I don't know that we're entirely capable of living a stress-free life. But burnout to some degree is. Yeah. So in reading some articles, they put it this way, that stress is kind of the idea of having too many pressures that are demanding of you or are demanding physically and mentally. But an important distinction is usually you are aware that you're stressed, <laughs> hyper aware that you're stressed. And usually you still feel pretty optimistic that, you know, once I hit this deadline, once I finish this project, once this thing is over, everything will go back to normal. And like I can, I on the horizon, see my stress decreasing. Whereas with burnout, it's more of, I don't know, it's a different type of mentality where you are kind of feeling empty, you're mentally exhausted, you might feel devoid of motivation and just kind of numb and not caring. And the important distinction is that people experiencing burnout often don't see that kind of like hope on the horizon of whereas in with stress, you're like, oh, as soon as I finish this, things will be better. We don't necessarily always have that with burnout. You just even if you finish your deadline or meet your deadline, you're just kind of like, uh, but it still is overwhelming. And even when I finish, I don't see things not being bad. Yeah. What I'm going to say is like, these are the actual mental illnesses that look similar to these two things we're talking about just because you're stressed doesn't mean you have this just because you're burnout doesn't mean you have this but i feel like this is a helpful framework to think about these in stress really is similar to anxiety however stress is situational anxiety disorders are a different thing but they have parallels burnout has more similarities with depression than uh it does with anxiety so once again Having stress or being burnt out are not the same as those things, but I think it's helpful to understand that if you have a framework for either of those things, and many of us do. Yeah, and I think the interesting thing is usually we're pretty aware when we're under a lot of stress, but you might not always notice burnout when you're experiencing it until you kind of, I feel like, have burnout a couple times, and then you have those identifying factors, like with me, irritability or forgetfulness. Like, I know when that suddenly is a part of my life, it's usually because I am just like at a certain point with burnout, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like with stress, everything, you're hypersensitive to everything, you know? It's like being shocked with like electricity or something. And I feel like burnout is kind of just the idea of being underwater. Like everything is fuzzy. Muted. Everything is muted. Yeah. Yeah. It's They're both very interesting sensations, but I think it is helpful to to kind of self-assess on where you are between the two so that you can kind of more properly take care of yourself. Yeah. And, and that brings us to the question, because I think a lot of you by this point in the episode probably recognize a lot of this in yourselves, um, both the stress and the burnout. And so that leads us into a very important question, is, which is like, why are musicians, what about our lifestyles and our educations 
makes us so prone to burnout. And there are a lot of factors. I think the first one that jumped out to me was the fact that obviously school happens in semester system, but even outside of that, when we start to work, whether you're an orchestral musician or you're a singer or what have you, a lot of us work in these very intense chunks, whether those are seasons or semesters. And so all of our stuff is compacted together. And often towards the end of a semester, you may have eight performances and it's just not even that weird to have that many stacked on top of each other. And that's overwhelming for anybody. So I think the, the way we build our years often has to do a lot with how, how we get so stressed and burned out. I think a funny thing about working in seasons and semesters is I almost feel like we pre-stress, if that makes any sense. Like I always remember when I knew that the end of the semester was coming, I would get stressed. Even if like my schedule wasn't crazy just yet, like knowing that that was on the horizon always stressed me out. Or I mean, oh, yeah. even more obviously is probably like knowing that audition season is coming up. Even if you are rock solid, like it's just, I think always knowing that we have these exact months in our lives that we can pretty much predict to be stressful is just such a weird thing that we face as musicians. Exactly. And obviously also the field we work in is just kind of chaotic. You know, there's not a ton of stability in what we do. We don't have job stability. We don't even have like <laughs> location stability. We're constantly on the move, doing new things, trying to expand, trying to make ourselves into more versatile musicians. Um, and so we lack a lot of that foundation to even relax on when we have the time to. And obviously there's a lot of pressure to just keep working, to just keep going. <laughs> I feel so triggered by the lack of stability on location. <laughs> It's true. I mean, Michelle and I have both been talking about moving um, once it is safe to do so again. Like that's it's just part of our jobs. Yeah, I was literally just talking with my stepmom the other day because I have plans to move cross country in a year or so. And she was like, well, so say you move cross country and then like you do some gigs and then well, where will you end up? And it was literally like once again, the dog with the like helicopter wars. <laughs> background i'm just like i don't know that's yeah, just I'm, part of part of it is that i, I don't know where i'll be going yeah i mean there's there's a lot of fun in that reality too but there is also just like a frustration so you know it, it depends on your temperament for that kind of work but yeah inside of that too is the fact that like we obviously live in a super competitive field and it always feels like you're trying to keep up with other people you know i think in the background of all of our minds is like if you don't do this if you aren't willing to push the extra mile somebody else will be like i feel like that's even something teachers have said you know mm -hmm. if you're not willing to do the work we'll replace you with somebody else who is and that's just an awful awful thing because even professionals talk all the time about burnout like that that constant pressure of like if you don't seize this moment you'll lose everything it's a it's an awful thing and it's really reinforced <laughs> in education uh in the way we work and it's 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 bad it's a bad way to live yeah, the expectations are so high. And, you know, when you start to get to a certain level within music, everybody's good. And there is that tendency to feel like you're easily replaceable. And obviously that is not good for your mental health, but that definitely plays into burnout. Yeah. And we were we were talking about moving, but we also didn't even begin to cover traveling. You know, that's the other thing is like, even if you're not, even if you have a home, you may be gone for months of the year. 
that was something I always had to navigate in in relationships was telling people like, hey, just so you know, there may be months where I'm just not wherever we are. Yeah. And, and traveling can be a very lonely experience, even if you're going to travel and do work and be in, as a part of a company. Like it can still be immensely lonely to not know people in your city, to not know people where you are. And once again, it kind of puts you back into that chaos where you don't necessarily have the foundation to come back and relax. Yeah. Well, it's also really especially tough during audition season where you're constantly traveling back to back to all these different climates, to all these auditions, which are already high stress, high pressure, hopefully not dealing with getting sick, figuring out the layouts of a new city. There's just a lot. So auditions... Audition season, honestly, is probably why so many of us get burnout just in general. But yeah, <laughs> because it deals with a lot of these things. But definitely, and yeah, and I mean, not having a work life balance, the fact that you can really kind of just do music at any time, or there's that pressure to practice and be learning and watching twenty four seven. Oh without, yeah, you know, time to just actually relax and socialize is hard to balance. There's someone in my life who I was talking about them with this because they were saying like one of the most important things for me when looking for a job is that I can leave work at work when I go home. And I was like, wow, can't relate. <laughs> Imagine. Because <laughs> I'm just like our, our work is immersive. Like it is part of my life. And as much as I do take I do take breaks from singing. No doubt about it there. I've taken long stretches without singing and come back the better for it but not necessarily something that's a, a part of our life. Like there's not this idea of like, I've finished my work and now I can go relax. Like, it's just not that kind of job. It's, I used to laugh because people used to ask me like, what do you listen to in the car? And I, I would say podcasts. Cause I wouldn't, when I'm in a high stress period, I won't listen to music almost at all. <laughs> that's so funny. Huh. <laughs> Unless I, I need to for, for work. Yeah, it was just a break because sometimes if I'm too immersed in thinking about music, like I can't turn off my brain even when I'm listening to just silly music. So sometimes I just listen to podcasts or books on tape. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, that's the other thing is like, I also think it's really important when we talk about socializing is to go and socialize with, with people who are not musicians, because it's important to get away from those conversations. We talked that, uh, a little bit about that when Michelle and I were talking about the fact that we also used to live with two non-musicians. Um, they were a chemistry major and an English major. And it's really nice because it just meant every conversation wasn't about music. Yeah, non-musicians really help us uh, cleanse the palate. <laughs> I love it. It's good to talk about whatever other things that you're interested in or like just whatever. You don't always have to be focusing on music. It's okay. It'll oh, still yeah. be there after you take your break. Yeah. Well, and the other the funny thing about that was the chemistry major really was very musically literate anyway. <laughs> she might have been more musically literate than I was when it came to like symphonies and orchestral work. So it was kind of a nice balance. But anyway, so true. yes, it's super, super important that you take breaks from music and you like find a social life outside of it. But a lot of the stuff we're talking about right now is outside of your work, but even inside of our work, because everything we do basically is collaborative, whether, you know, it's an or opera ensemble or you're just working with a collaborative pianist or, you know, whatever it is, we almost always are working with other people, which means we never really have full control over our work. Which is good. I think there's a great thing in collaboration, but there's also the stress of, once again, it's almost an unstable reality. We, we depend on other people to also be prepared. And, you know, we may have to deal with disagreements. We have conductors and directors who tell us what their vision is. And it's a constant negotiation, which is very stressful. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. 
Yeah, and I think one of the biggest things that or reasons why musicians are so prone to burnout is that a lot of us are perfectionists, which we have talked at length about in a previous episode. But I think a lot of us are high achieving, maybe not type A in personality, but there is that pressure to be really great. I think you look around and see that everyone has their strengths and everyone is good. And that really just kind of puts the fire under you. And that can sometimes manifest in some not so healthy habits and way of dealing with things. So perfectionism is definitely, at least for me, a huge, you know, cause for burnout. Oh, yeah. Well, and I think the thing with perfectionism, too, is, you know, perfectionism to to some degree for me, and I think for you, demands having control. And once again, we're in Mm -hmm. a situation where we never really have full control. Like everyone's Mm -hmm. been in a situation where your collaborator moved too quickly or your collaborator wasn't prepared or whatever it was, or you weren't prepared and you let down your collaborator. There are dozens of ways where that interacts, but that lack of control in perfectionism and everything, it really grinds us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Another thing about it, especially in school for me, was the fear of missing out, FOMO. We tend to take on so many things because we don't want to be someone who didn't get an experience. You know, there are classes that I took that weren't required of me, but I felt were like super important that I had to do them or being a part of particular ensembles because I needed to make the connection with that director. You know, there's stuff like that where we're so afraid of missing out on it that like we'll burn the candle at both ends in order to achieve it. Yeah, that's huge. And that really has to do with the competitive environment of somebody's doing a role somewhere or is singing in a competition and I'm just having kind of an off season it's really yeah fear of missing out is definitely stressful yeah well and once again if you end up leading into burnout from that you're gonna be worse off in the end anyway Mm -hmm. and I think the the last thing that really hit me about like why are musicians so prone to burnout is the gap in achievement like there's you have to achieve a very high level of success to be considered a good musician You know, at least in the eyes of like friends, family who don't understand what the music industry looks like. There's not as many fields, once again, where there are really haves and have nots in the same way that they exist in music. And that's a painful experience. Oh, yeah. You know, and especially because of the timeline for classical musicians, like especially for singers, most singers don't make it when you're very young. And so there's this idea of like everyone's looking at me and they can tell I haven't made it at you know, 23, 24, 25, all of these things, 26, 27, all the way up, you know, there's this idea that everyone's looking at you and they're like, oh, they haven't made it at the X age. They're a failure. And like, that's an awful feeling. And it's not true. Once again, it's the world of opera is odd and the outside world doesn't really always understand why things work the way they work. Yeah. I hate having that conversation with people because it's not their fault. They don't know because opera and classical music, at least for singers is so different. I mean, pop stars can jump up at below 18 you know so it's just a completely different technique of the voice you know yeah and there are the odd opera singers who do make it super young like that's not a never happens thing but it's pretty uncommon yeah um and there and even then i want to stress that like if you're a working musician and you've never sung at like the met you're still a success like making a living as a musician is a success story in and of itself yeah i'm always just like i am small (laughs) i'm i'm growing (laughs) the people outside of artistic fields don't always understand like the variation in what success can look like and it can be very stressful to talk to people about it 
and to know that they don't view you as successful, even if you're you're making it in it in your own way. Absolutely. So now that we all feel hyper <laughs> self-diagnosed, <laughs> um, Jesse, what are, what's some advice that you have about actually dealing with burnout now that we kind of solidified what it looks like? You know, it was funny when we were looking, I was looking for answers about burnout and a lot of it wasn't helpful. <laughs> Um, Amazing. (laughs) The people writing it were also burnt out. The the people writing those articles probably were writing them because they were burnt out. There was one website, which was Jenny Clarinet, which is written by Jenny McClay. And she had an article that was like, that was about dealing with burnout as a musician. And I found her framework for understanding and dealing with it to be super helpful. Because she she just, she framed it in an easier way. Because the reality of burnout is... You know, ideally, you would be able to back out of things to not have to do them. But most of us don't have the opportunity or can't take the risk of turning things down. Most of us can't leave an opera halfway through unless we're experiencing something like vocal damage. We don't always have the option to literally lower our responsibilities. And so the way she framed it was these three R's, which are regroup, reevaluate, and re-energize. So underneath regroup, she has learned the ebb and flow of burnout which I think is really important of like recognizing when you go into burnout during the year and you'll start to recognize patterns. Just like I said, I notice that I tend to get sick during periods of burnout and you're going to start to learn like what the, the triggers for burnout are for you. I think probably the most interesting part of what she talks about on her website is that she talks about burnout during the summer. And I guess I hadn't considered how much I don't do anything immediately following periods of burnout. Like For example, winter breaks are sometimes huge periods where people like memorize a ton of music. For me during winter break, a lot of times I shut down and do nothing. Absolutely nothing. Because I feel like it's the only time I do have to rest. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, because I think that was the funny thing when we were talking, when I started this conversation about burnout, I definitely was thinking of it in terms of like the end of semesters or mid season or, you know, when you have like a couple opportunities, but I hadn't considered when you really feel the effects of burnout, which is often for me right after where I'll finish something stressful and I will be to some degree incapable of working on things unless absolutely strictly necessary. I lose all sense of intrinsic motivation to do things, which means basically that there has to be a concert or something coming up for me to actually practice, for me to actually be looking at my music. And so I thought that was probably one of the most interesting things that I learned about this was how burnout affects the slow periods of our life as well. Yeah, I never really thought about like the slow periods as being affected by burnout. And this has been a very interesting thing to learn coming out of school is how to stay motivated. And so I always thought of it more of just being like, well, you know, I just have to stay motivated and not looking at it as potentially being burnout. But I do find that, you know, when I have stuff scheduled, it's so much easier for me to stay on task to where, you know, when I don't necessarily have anything coming up, which I think a lot of us are feeling with COVID, and all um, a lot of our opportunities being canceled or postponed, it's kind of, I, I feel that, well, I don't have anything coming up for a while, or at least nothing big, so do I really need to, to do this, that, and the other? It's, it's kind of interesting. I had never thought about burnout being during the, the kind of slow times in our life. Yeah, and I think it's important to interject here that, like, nobody is saying it's a bad thing to take a break and step away entirely some days because I think that's actually very, very important to do. I think part of dealing with burnout is also making sure you you not only take breaks, but you schedule them in 
you schedule them mm-hmm. into your life, both in like the small moments of like mid shows, mid all of this, not mid show. Don't take a break mid show, but uh, <laughs> bye guys. <laughs> mid show prep, like as you're prepping a show, make sure you give yourself days off. Make sure that when you do have these periods where you're not obligated to do things, you do take a week where you just don't do anything to do with music. I think it's important to step away and just live life as an artist. I think, you know, and I also think it's important not to let people shame you for taking breaks and not to shame other people for taking breaks. It's part of like living a healthy, happy life is is not just letting breaks happen when you're in burnout, but scheduling breaks intentionally into your life. Yes. Don't let nobody break shame you. That's big. Yeah. I, as a person who, because of my perfectionism, already doesn't like to take breaks and feels guilty about breaks in general, when I actually do decide that I need a break, if somebody break shames me, it just sends me into such a spiral. (laughs) So don't do it. And it's also like there's no logic behind that because taking breaks is healthy. Like, what, you expect me to never take a break and then have like a complete mental breakdown? Like, what is that? Doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I mean, that was a big thing for me when I was learning about my ADHD was one of the best ways I can deal with it is by incorporating short breaks into my work period. Because if I don't, if I work for like four hours straight with no let up, which is also super common, it's called hyper focus, but unimportant to the moment. I can work longer periods, whereas if I work for four hours straight, I'm more likely to just walk away from the project until tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So intentional breaks are going to be way better for you than the unintentional breaks where you simply cannot work anymore. Mm-hmm. The next R was reevaluate. As we were talking about, like, kind of these periods where we have trouble creating intrinsic motivation, the desire to keep doing things without a thing directly in front of us. And that's an important thing. It kind of leads us back into the whole self advocacy thing, but it's important to have personal goals. And honestly, even when you're in the midst of dealing with other people's goals for you, it's important to have personal goals that are important to you, that you place at the highest value of blood. And to make them concrete. So not something as ephemeral as I want to be a better singer, (laughs) but things that are concretely capable of being accomplished. For example, like I want to fix my French vowels. That's definitely one for me right now. (laughs) I may (laughs) be getting personal on that one. (laughs) I, French vowels and me have a long fraught history. Um, (laughs) But having those concrete goals for yourself that are accomplishable that are not things that are subjective in nature like objectively you can memorize a piece subjectively would be something like i want to sing this well it's just not concrete enough for you to know if you've accomplished it and breaking things down into concrete steps helps us keep motivated because we we can feel that sense of accomplishment it keeps us from getting stuck in that thing of getting stuck in that judgmental mentality Because when you get stuck in the judgmental mentality, it's very hard to move forward or feel like you've actually checked anything off of your list. Yeah, I think setting definitive goals is huge because it's the first step in the right direction, right? So when you're facing burnout and you're just completely unmotivated, everything is bad, you're really self-critical. If you're even able to take five minutes to write down five actionable goals for yourself, you already have accomplished so much, right? Because now the steps are in front of you. You visualize them. You're one step further into re-entering the positive mindset. And it's just such a good tool to recalibrate. And it's it's a tough first step because it's easy to just kind of stay in burnout and just not even want to 
touch that first step because subconsciously you know that there's a lot of work ahead of you to get out of this funk but it really is such a good first step to take it's a great motivator and like putting those small steps first to help motivate you towards the larger ones really will help you work your way up but i think the other thing that's important about list making is that i will organize lists by priority what is the most important thing to get done What are the things that can actually go unaccomplished today and it will be okay? And what things are like medium important? Basically, you get the the concept. But placing all things at equal importance is a guaranteed track to burnout. So if you're like me and you have a lot of issues prioritizing, um, and I think it's because I'm just such an extreme people pleaser. Like I hate people being upset with me. Mm -hmm. And so I tend to put all things equal. Like everything is important that all of it be perfect all the time. Mm And there are just some things that aren't important. There are some things that are okay to just do okay at. You don't have to put your whole spirit and energy into some things, especially when you're in school and you're taking, you know, 20 hours of credits. Like, just know, not everything requires you to do 110%, and that's okay. Lists can be very helpful in prioritizing, like, what's the most important thing to get done right now? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that will help take some of the pressure off. Yeah, and something that Jenny mentions specifically two lists in her article is the idea of making a bucket list of repertoire subjects to learn and i love this i actually do i have a like an excel sheet of just like dream repertoire that i've listened to over the years or i've heard other people sing in master classes and whenever i'm feeling very unmotivated or just don't really know what my next step is i'll listen to some arias or some art song that i kind of haven't put on the forefront in a while and i feel like listening to music that I like that I'm not necessarily having the pressure to perform like anytime soon is very energizing. And then also, you know, we take in so much information and knowledge as classical musicians that sometimes we forget that we can actually like look up things and watch things and research things just for fun without having to actually put it to practice and so I find that you know remembering composers that I thought were really cool or singers that I want to learn more about or operas that I want to kind of dive deeper on just writing them down and then when I have a moment of oh god what do I do I don't even want to think about music and turning to those lists is very energizing so I love that she she talked about that because that's something that I have definitely found to be very helpful. I mean, that takes us right into the next point, which is re-energize. Like, how do you fill your cup back up? And I I agree with you. Like, having those pieces that you're not necessarily going to be doing right now, but that are just fun to you, that are just a heck of a lot of fun. (laughs) But even, like, what... But, like, what got me through grad school a lot of the times was anytime I felt, like, super sad, I would... Or just, like, overwhelmingly unmotivated to practice is I would go and pull up, like, my favorite performers and just watch them sing anything. Because something about watching someone sing and enjoy themselves and do something incredible just, like, reminds me of, like, why I like to do what I do. Mm -hmm. And watching people do incredible things, like, does inspire me. And so definitely have that either the bucket list or just like a YouTube playlist of things that make you inspired to make music because I think we all know what those things are for us whether it's a composer or a singer or whatever but there are those couple videos that are just so inspiring that every time you come back to them they fill you with like the desire to go out and make more music Mm -hmm. the other thing I would say for re-energize I once again want to just emphasize like for re-energize I still put the whole take a break thing under this which is like allow yourself to go and live life and come back because living life is essential 
to role interpretation to to making music. Like you can't sing about all of these crazy subjects, love, life, death, and everything if you're not actually also living your life. It's very hard <laughs> to bring authentic feelings to a matter if you're not actually loving, living, and dying. <laughs> yeah, live, laugh, die. Um, <laughs> live, laugh, love, die. Anyway, my my point is that it's important that you also let yourself experience life, that you don't constantly, you know, force yourself to be in this musical position and don't actually let yourself be a person in the world. I think another thing that I really enjoyed was like, they, they said uh, music gratitude journal or inspirational quote book. I think journaling in general is really good to just get everything out on a page and just let things go via paper. Both things that you're Uh, thankful for and things that are just difficult and annoying and stressful i think just letting things out on a page it's such a low stakes way of dealing yeah i have recently been kind of turned on to the idea of journaling and um gratitude journaling especially but anything that has to do with like feelings like i'm already you know like gross (laughs) what is this like feelings yeah i'm like ew uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's just me personally. But I I saw this, I think I was listening to a podcast and they were like, if you're ever really feeling just down and just genuinely upset and burnt out, take a second and force yourself to write five things that you're grateful for and not just like, I'm grateful for life and my family, not just like universal vague things. Like I'm grateful- About the, the things you say around the table during Thanksgiving. Exactly. Not that kind of stuff. Okay. We're talking about the real stuff. <laughs> like, I'm really thankful that the blanket on me is fuzzy. Like, it could be anything. I'm really grateful that I got to listen to a CD that I haven't listened to in a while. Like, anything like that. And I was like, ugh. Like, I'm all, all, all about positivity. I'm a very positive person. But something about that feels super, like, forced to me. And I was like, you know what? I'm feeling kind of- demotivated and whatever i'm in a funk i'm gonna do it and i was actually shocked at how much it actually completely transformed my mood because then i think the whole point of it is that you go from focusing on the negative things that are kind of consuming your thoughts and then forcing yourself to acknowledge the good things that are happening and it completely shifts your mindset and it's so much easier to stay in that positive mentality than to go back into the negative and so if you're like me which you probably aren't because I'm just a rare breed. But if you are like me and you're in, interested in gratitude journals, I can say that they're actually a really fantastic idea. Oh, yeah. I'm not shutting down gratitude journals. I'm just saying, like, journaling in general, A+. plus, Good way to, to handle things. <laughs> good way to avoid uh, gossiping about other musicians. <laughs> just write it uh, in a journal and never tell anyone. Um <laughs> But no, it's definitely important to remember the things you're grateful for, even in difficult moments. And I think another one of these that I I think is super important is surround yourself with inspiring and passionate people. And I think that's important because, like, I have been in situations where I have surrounded myself with people who do nothing but criticize themselves, other people, the situation, music. Like, there's never anything positive. Never. And that is just, it's exhausting. That's unsustainably awful to be around people who are never positive or happy about anything. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. and and on the inverse, like, once again, surround yourself with people who not only will encourage you, but, like, encourage your friends. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Make an active effort to to be that person. And once again, just clarifying, 
Doesn't mean you always have to be positive. Doesn't mean anything is beyond critique. You can critique anything. I'm just saying make sure that's not the only thing. Because sometimes I feel like people try to replace this sense of like, I'm smart and I know things with like, they try to prove it by critiquing. Only critiquing. Mm -hmm. Like, it's a superiority thing. And it's important to remember that like, feeling uninhibited joy at pieces of music or at singing, even if they're not the most, you know, intricate, important piece. Like, that is one of the most wonderful things in human experience is just viscerally enjoying things. Mm -hmm. So don't get rid of that to prove that you're smart. Yeah. Another big thing is to just be patient with yourself. I think, especially for our perfectionist type people or type A people, we become frustrated when we're experiencing burnout because we know that it's just something that we're going through right now. And I feel like when I'm in the in the thick of it I get frustrated that I can't just kind of like flip the switch and you know force things and force myself to feel normal and so you know just be patient with yourself know that you're going to get through it know that it's just temporary and there you're totally allowed to take break and when you're ready to take actionable steps to kind of get motivated and you know enter that positive mindset again you have the tools to do so yeah And then, like I mentioned earlier, some things about stress and burnout can mimic, you know, mental health issues like anxiety and depression. And sometimes they may be those things as well, or they may lead into those things. So certainly if you're experiencing it for long periods of time, don't be afraid to reach out not only to friends and family, but to mental health professionals. It's it's super important to take care of yourself and to be aware, like, it's not always all on you to be taking care of these things. We're talking about some actionable steps here, but the reality is is sometimes, you know, part of what does this to us is like the makeup of our industry. And we're all striving to make our industry more healthy, more sustainable, more realistic about what human beings are and can do. But in the meantime, like make sure you are taking care of yourself. Make that your priority. Yeah, I think uh, a big part of it is just recognizing the, the symptoms, your personal symptoms of burnout and trying to get help and trying to regroup, reevaluate, re-energize before it gets too bad. We're in a really unique cultural moment, especially here in the U.S. And so I want to take a second to say, I know a lot of people are experiencing burnout. And a lot of people who are experiencing burnout in this moment are looking for support. But just as like a heads up, this is not necessarily the best moment people who are not Black, Indigenous, people of color to necessarily be talking about their burnout online. And it's not because your burnout isn't valid, but the reality is, is you wouldn't necessarily bring it up in conversation at, for example, a funeral. And that's what is kind of going on right now. There is national mourning around the longstanding issues in our country and around the world. So if you are in this moment experiencing burnout, whether it be musical or compassion fatigue or whatever it is, now is the best moment to reach out and find those friends and that support system internally I might hold off on posting about it online because it's it's not necessarily appropriate in terms of reading the room. Once again, your feelings and burnout are valid, but this may be a moment to journal, to talk with friends, to reach out to that support system. And and as we close out, I just wanted to, you know, we talked about what burnout looks like for us, but for you, Michelle, what does like your self-care really look like? Like what are some of the things you do to take care of yourself to help uh, refill your cup? Definitely spending time with friends and family obviously helps me and just kind of taking a break from the things that are stressing me out. I think also like identifying what's stressing me out so that I can kind of figure out the best steps 
Um, I also just love to play video games. So doing something that's completely immersive and not at all related to what I have to do or what's stressing me out is always just a good way to kind of zone out for a couple hours and then come back with a, a clearer mind. Um, so yeah, anything that gives me a chance to kind of disassociate in a healthy way, whether it's reading or journaling or playing video games or watching a movie with my family, definitely always helps me get back to kind of being more myself. 100% agree on the video games thing. Because it's just so nice and so unrelated to anything happening. <laughs> it's a nice way to just zonk out for a little bit. I also, like, I think the other two things that I've been using to deal with burnout and stress have been baths. I take so many baths. <laughs> uh, you can actually measure my stress level because there have been periods in my life where I've taken more than one bath in a day specifically just to de-stress. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other, the other one is just really long phone calls with friends. You know, I have a couple of friends who will just sit on the phone with me and we'll talk about nothing forever. And so that's that's the other big thing that's definitely helpful for me is just long conversations because um, I think it regrounds me. But yeah, whatever it is, figure out what triggers your burnout and and start exploring some of the ways to deal with it because it's not always avoidable. But the degree to which we can create healthy routines in our life and we can create healthy atmospheres in our life uh, we should because the reality is is the stress of this moment once again whether it be in terms of dealing with what's actually happening in the world right now or dealing with our our profession they are somewhat unavoidable and so learning how we can recover learning how we can better deal with this is so important for us in the long term and so let us know how you deal with your burnout, what your signs of burnout, anything we didn't mention this episode. Like I said, we are always open to hearing back from you guys. We always love to hear it. There may be some of you who have some great ways of dealing with this that we are not yet aware of. And so please reach out to us, talk to us, tell us what you think we got wrong. We are always, always, always ready to hear it. And you can reach us on our Instagram or Facebook, which are at Opera Offstage, or we have a contact form on our website, which is opera-offstage.com. But we love to hear from you guys, and we look forward to seeing you guys here again next week. Bye. Bye.